identified last year that the food and beverage industry and the edibles industry alongside with nutraceuticals was one of the highest growth industries in cannabis. And Just CBD is a company that has been operating at a very high level. They deliver $28 million in revenue in 2020. They deliver $7 million in EBITDA, extremely profitable, and have developed a very robust distribution network. As you mentioned, 14,000 distribution points. From the PodConnect studios, high in the Rockies at the beautiful Beaver Creek Resort, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today on MJ Bulls, we are joined by Luis Marchand, the CEO of Flora Growth Corp. Luis, welcome to the sh- back to the show. Dan, thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure. Oh my gosh, it's great to have you back. For our listeners that missed our previous episode, Flora Growth Corp is a publicly traded, internationally focused cannabis company. And today I want to talk about four things. I want to talk about your cultivation, distribution, brands, and CBD, which is a lot to cover in 10 minutes. So let's jump right into it. Unlike so many cannabis companies that are looking for a quick hit, your company's content on playing the long game. Your Colombian cultivation facility is one of the largest in the world. What advantage does that give you today? But more importantly, what advantage will that give you in the years coming down the road? Yeah, Dan, I think it's, it's important to highlight that, that the company's strategy is one that does focus on the long term and the potential that cannabis will have on the global scale. Uh, we firmly believe that cannabis will bring forth uh, a movement towards plant-based alternatives that will come into the mainstream and having a cultivation facility out of Colombia where we're growing cannabis at one of the lowest production costs in the world in an outdoor organic way will be a competitive advantage into the future. That is also blended with the execution that we have been able to achieve in such a short amount of time in terms of revenues and path to profitability. And I think if you take that even one step further and just if we have to connect the dots for our listeners, as United States laws change and the world's laws change, this product will become commoditized and it'll just keep getting less and less expensive. And companies like yours that are growing it in, you know, what do you have, like 12 hours of sunlight year round in Colombia, you're going to have a huge advantage. Absolutely, Dan. And I think our strategy is uh, it's a diverse strategy. From, from that perspective, from the plant and derivatives perspective, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the global trade and barriers coming down will, will boil down to who can grow flour at a very high quality of one of the lowest production costs. And we have that, that advantage. We have seen just today the uh, House passed once again uh, the, the MORE Act. We expect movement towards uh, decriminalization and federalization in the U.S., which will then set off the dominoes on a global scale. And those companies that have distribution, companies that have the know-how that are able to grow with the incredible advantages that growing alongside the equator, like being in a seasonless environment, having natural resources that are very low cost or almost free, and having a skilled agricultural labor that is significantly less expensive and more knowledgeable about growing the cannabis plant will play a role into being a global market leader. I know you're onto something and you, you mentioned distribution and you've also created a very extensive global distribution network. What countries are your products currently sold in? 
We're currently distributing our products in over 12 countries internationally. They include, of course, the United States, which represents almost 50% of the global legal cannabis trade. But we also are in Mexico distributing major distributors like Walmart.com. We are in Costa Rica, expanding into Panama, of course, Colombia. We have distribution agreements with Australia, Israel, and Germany, and selling our products in as well in Europe, in, in England, and, and France, amongst many others. Jeez. And you have such a diverse portfolio of brands. I mean, you cover everything from food and beverage to skincare to hardware, loungewear, and then CBD. Talk about some of the benefits of having such a diverse portfolio of products. We learned very quickly that it's very important that you focus on the long term and that long term is the plant. We want to make sure that we grow the best cannabis in an organic, natural way at one of the lowest production costs in the world. But we also want to unlock the potential for revenues that the cannabis industry and its molecules can present. And those revenues come in various different industries. And for that reason, we implemented a strategy that is focused on developing brands and products across multiple industries that have different barriers of entry and also engage with different margins. Some of them are incredibly healthy margins. For that reason, we are in topicals, we are in edibles, we also are in nutraceuticals as well as some other related industries such as textiles. This strategy allows us to first activate revenues early on, second, ensure that we have a path to profitability over the short term, and then mm-hmm. third, expand distribution at a far rapid scale that we would if we were only focusing on the plant and its derivatives. Yeah. I, I mean, it's such a solid strategy, and it also gives you an outlet for all of your product. You always have some of your own brands that you can sell your own products to. Exactly. And this is one of, part of the foundational priorities and our core values in our companies. Not only we are fulfilling our commitment to give access to plant-based wellness alternatives to our, to our consumers, but we're also maximizing the yield of the entire plant. As you probably know, Dan, only 20 to 40% of the cannabis plant is utilized during the extraction process. That balance, that 60%, can be utilized for a multitude of products and related industries. And by taking a holistic approach, we're able to maximize the return on investment and maximize the yield of of the plant. Yeah, that's just great. Well, over the past few months, you've made a lot of acquisitions, uh, including Just CBD, which is a large U.S. company with, I I guess I got this right, 14,000 distribution points across the United States and internationally. Why was this such an important acquisition? It's very important, Dan, and this is is one of the elements that makes us incredibly proud in, in in our company, that you remain very vigilant with regards to changes of the industry and to companies that are operating at a very high level. This industry is ever changing from a regulatory standpoint, from the ability to enter certain markets. And we quickly identified last year that the food and beverage industry and the edibles industry, alongside with nutraceuticals, was one of the highest growth industries in cannabis. And Just CBD is a company that has been operating at a very high level. They delivered $28 million in revenue in 2020. They delivered $7 million in EBITDA, extremely profitable, and have developed a very robust distribution network. As you mentioned, 14,000 distribution points.
there were also other elements of the transaction that were incredibly uh, attractive to us, like its leader, Hussein Rakin, who is uh, an incredible, powerful, up-and-coming leader in the cannabis industry. He, he was uh, recognized by Forbes for being one of the 30 under 30 most exciting executives in the United States. And he has been able to build a complete powerhouse, a leading brand in the CBD space in, in just five years. So we're bringing that know-how, we're bringing exceptional leadership, we're bringing distribution, and we are entering an industry that is, is presenting the fastest growth in the cannabis space. So for all those reasons, we, we felt this was a great move for our company. You mentioned the distribution aspect about that, and I, I, I have a theory, I, I'm going to just bounce this off you. I mentioned early on that you're publicly traded, but I didn't mention that you're listed on the NASDAQ. And for their listeners that aren't aware of this, the NASDAQ doesn't accept companies that violate any U.S. law. So any company that sells THC in the United States, they can't get listed on the NASDAQ. Back to the idea of you playing the long game, is it going to be important that you've established this whole distribution network in the United States when the laws change? You already have the distribution in place. Did that influence your decision at all? Yes, 100%, Dan. You're, you're absolutely right. We're incredibly transparent about our strategy because we believe there's room for, for many players in the industry to grow and, and take advantage of the benefits that the industry will bring forth. But for us, we have been very clear about our M&A strategies, people, revenues, and distribution. Revenues are very important because they show that a company is actually executing on its promise. And this industry had been plagued with, with potential, but not with execution. So companies that do that are already on the right side of the fence. But distribution is very meaningful for what you mentioned. If you have already an established pipeline for all of your products, when the right time comes, you're going to be able to add the margin-rich products, the psychoactive products, and perhaps all of those other categories that are now illegal, but we know it's a matter of time, into that already existing distribution network and enjoy what we're probably going to call a first-mover advantage on that side. Wow. And plus you're already on the NASDAQ. So people are going to be able to buy your stock or they could buy it now. And I'm going to have all of Louise's information and all floor growth information in the show notes, including their stock information. So I mean, I don't know what more information anybody needs after this interview, but Louise, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. And I can't wait to have you on again because it's always exciting. Thanks for doing this today. Thank you, Dan. It's my pleasure. And of course, I cannot walk away without reminding our listeners, our ticker is FLGC. We're listed under NASDAQ. And of course, uh, all the pertinent information will be shared by you, Dan. But it's a great pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season 1 of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.